Hello everyone, my name is Katherine Potter and I'd like to welcome you to You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast, each week we explore topics that support the idea of holistic thinking and that everything and everyone is interconnected and in relationship. Today we are going to look at the impact of sound and in particular drumming on the mental, emotional and physical bodies. We're also going to look at the potential for drumming to open up a doorway to our expanded, sacred self. Today's guest is Kim Tanasichuk, a web designer and a student of drumming and chanting. Welcome, Kim. It's really good to have you here. Well, thanks for having me, Catherine. Yeah. So I'd like to actually, before the drumming, I'd like to start... um, about your business. So you are a web designer, but I noticed on your site that you have a special clientele that you like to work with. So um, something about holistic and eco-business. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, I've been doing my business, I guess, maybe 15 years-ish. And it started um, by me working for uh, a couple people and doing that kind of work for them and then pretty soon people started hearing I was doing that kind of work and wanted me to do it for them websites and design type things um, and then when I was creating my own website I, at the time it kind of felt like a risk to me for some reason maybe because I hadn't declared myself um, <laughs> out in the world as sort of like an, a someone professional who, designer <laughs> yes but even just you know you pick your niche and yes because my personal interest is holistic things and um, eco-friendly things, environmental things, I thought, well, why don't I choose those kinds of clients? I think just because my business is built by word of mouth, um, it just seems to have those kinds of clients come to me. Um, I think they also like it that I don't speak computer nerd to them. I can understand where they're coming from, um, so that helps. Very nice. And so your first few clients, were they interested in things that were, you know, eco-friendly and that type of thing? Yes. Um, I mentioned there's a couple mentors um, that my business started out of me working for them. One is a psychologist in Short Park, uh, Gwen Randall Young. Nice. And her approach, although she may not approach all her clients that way, that his her base is kind of like a spiritual heart-based approach to it and in and so you know working for for her um I guess she was my first client in that way and you liked it obviously yeah yeah it's more natural for me too we can kind of talk on a little bit deeper level and even with my clients I can ask for like kind of the meaning behind it and like ask for the purpose so I can kind of hold that intention while I work on their website for them like it kind of feels like it's it's an expression of them like putting themselves out into the world mm-hmm. um, and I want to respect and honor that and even if it's just me holding space I suppose or just keeping that in mind as we're making the decisions for the website um, I guess in my way that feels like it's sacred work it is sacred work so here here's what I'm hearing you say and, and just clarify if I'm off topic or if I'm not hearing it correctly um, so rather than just doing it all in a technical way, I, I'm hearing you say you try and get to 
who the person is and what is it they're trying to share about themselves out there, which of course probably anybody is when they're creating a web, but I'm hearing you use the word heart. And so you want it to have some meaning. You're wanting to um, attract a clientele that is, would you consider them more heart-based or more uh, understanding of interconnection? How, how would you describe that? Yeah, although not all my clients are that, but yeah. a lot are, and I think it helps. I think even for my own process like mm-hmm. I do I have a good balance of left and right brain in with me but when it comes to design like that's a creative thing it's 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 still by feel like there's some technical things that I need to know obviously but it's like if I know what their intention is as I'm working on it there's just sort of like I just know when it's right mm-hmm. or I just know when we need the next step or like it just so you're telling me you're listening to your intuition right that you're you're tuning into yourself and so the web design if I'm hearing you is a creative process and it unfolds is and and you're listening okay what about this or but you but it kind of needs a focus like if I know the focus is what they want and who Mm -hmm. they are and Mm -hmm. um, what we talked about what their goals are so Mm -hmm. um it's sort of just feeling it out until it clicks into place and then yeah you just know isn't that isn't that the way right everything we're talking about about paying attention you know both to that technical side but that you're 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 meandering sometimes and you're you've your team you're you're doing teamwork with the person that um you're creating for they're not just handing the project over to you it's like it's like a co-creation you're taking their image and making it happen in the outside world I think yeah I like that term co-creation yeah yeah very nice so how did Kim the web designer get into drumming that's really interesting tell tell me a little bit about your background how you started with drumming I don't know exactly the year um but I think I think I saw my brother, my brother bought himself like an African djembe. And that's like probably the most common drum around. Um, And I remember just like something piqued my interest when I saw him drumming it. And so I thought, I got to get one of those. So it started with me just buying one of those djembes. And then him and I drummed together a little bit. But it wasn't with any technique or anything. It's just sort of what sounded right and what felt right. And then I think, I think around there's like drumming circles and that kind of thing. And because you have a drum, then you go and and just play and find people to drum with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, um, the drum circles are kind of nice because it you don't really need a skill level, and it is a bit intuitive. And there's sort of like the group is creating that space together. Um, and it's even just neat to watch too, because a lot of people are afraid to touch a drum for the first time, because I think they're afraid that they have to know what they're doing or they're, that they'll make a mistake or something like that. They're not maybe thinking about themselves as I'm a drummer, which sounds very technical and yeah. yes, and it's just something that you don't know what it's going to be like or what you have to do until you try it. So, you know. It, I think I think it started that way. In very much a, a, I'm hearing you say a play approach that you just yes. kind of like your web design. You were intuitive with it. <laughs> you yes. needed to just let it out, right? Yeah, because mm-hmm. I suppose in a drum circle, like there's like an energy to it, and you just feel it when it clicks. 
and often what happens if it's like a, a a group that can be comfortable with that it there's like other levels that it starts reaching there's sort of like an energy that's created um that's hard to describe i noticed like a lot of people will start like animal calling or just yelling out just because they're just so excited and into mm-hmm. it people who aren't jumping might start dancing like and it i don't know there's just a feeling that people have and it just kind of takes over their body mm-hmm. um I, I don't even is it like they talk about like trance states and stuff like that maybe it is but it's sort of I don't know, maybe you're just building the energy where it's coming through all of you instead of just like... Just your hands drumming, right? Okay, so, um, you know, and I've heard of people who, uh, you know, I know of other people who go to drumming circles and they love it. They just feel they can... It's not logical it's not linear they're just drumming and they don't have to be good and they yeah. get into the rhythm of the group is what I'm hearing you say that the group begins to build an energy too not just the um, one drummer yes and so you started with that and then where did you go I think after that ah I had thought of this when you had asked me mm-hmm. to be interviewed is Several times in my life I've had these kind of dreams. I'm putting dreams in quotation marks because they didn't really feel like dreams. They felt like very purposeful and like there's a message that I need Mm -hmm. to remember and that I was conscious in it. Like I wasn't just letting it take me away kind of like a dream normally does. Um, But in the dream I was kind of like a... It looked kind of like a trade show and with all the booths and stuff like that. And I go around the corner and there's this like... um, Indian yogi Mm -hmm. I guess you could say and he said to me so you're interested in drumming are you and I kind of said yes (laughs) and he handed me it was an Indian tabla but he handed me the drum but then it turned into a like a scroll a rolled up scroll um and so I just unraveled it and I don't remember anything that it said it probably had pictures and things but it just felt like that was like ancient wisdom of the drum Hmm. And that was it. And so I woke up. I was like, oh, maybe I need to get some Indian tablas. And so I had told... Back up for a second. Yeah. Just for people who are not at all familiar with drumming. Yeah. Um, what is that, what you just said? Tablas? Yeah. So uh, from India, like the drums that they... It's very common there. It's called tablas, and there's two of them. Mm-hmm. And usually people sit down cross-legged in front of them, and they're two different sizes. Like, they're different from little bongo drums. Mm-hmm. Um, one is sort of big and belly-shaped, I guess, and one is um, more, more narrow. cylindrical, mm-hmm. I guess, and narrow, and that has a bit higher um, tone. And they play it more with their fingers, and it's quite complicated. Um, I think it definitely takes a lot of skill to play but uh, most Indian music, I'm sure you've heard that in the mm-hmm. background. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after this dream, you thought, okay, I'm going to grab one of those, and, and what happened? So first, I told my mom about it, because we talk about, about these kinds of things, and she's like, oh, well, I want to donate to that <laughs> cause. <laughs> and so she gave nice, me a bit of mom. money. <laughs> and then mom told grandma and she's like well I want to donate to that cause and then <laughs> grandma gave me some money and then I told Gwen the psychologist that I work for and she's like well I want to donate to that cause so the, all these three women 
like wise women in my life that yes. had a big influence on me. Like yes. they all gave me the money for the drums. So I had all the money for the drums. Wow. So when I went to go look in the city to see who had Indian tablas, there was a place downtown. It's not there anymore, but um, they had a set, but it didn't sound right. And I knew they weren't mine. I think they're sort of like with drums, you know if it's yours or not. So how long had you, before you went on this adventure for a new drum, how long had you been already drumming for? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just curious yeah. because what you, what you just said um, is the recognition of this is a drum and it's the kind of drum I want, but it's not my drum. That's so cool. I, I like that. It's not my drum, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's sort of like I was talking with my business and yeah. designing. It's sort of like you just know and you just yeah. know. That's this isn't my me. type of client. This is my client. This isn't. This is a drum, but not my drum. That's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing, and we'll get to the rest of this drumming, is uh, how the drumming created a bridge for you and your between you your conscious mind and your intuition and you know the things that are all nonverbal but we know are right or not right so so yeah. okay so continue yeah. I just thought that was intriguing <laughs> it's not my drum yeah <laughs> it yeah. is the drum but not my drum yeah yeah and it was beautiful like yeah. I could have forced it to be my drum yeah. but it didn't feel right um but while I was there it wasn't Indian tablets but they had um, these Middle Eastern drums, they call it, there's a couple names, or a few names actually, Darbuka, um, uh, Dumbek, or actually they're also called tablas. Okay. But there's just a single drum and it's like a goblet shaped. Mm -hmm. um, stereo, uh, like in the Middle East, they tend to cover them with um, fish skin if you want a traditional, and it's clay, but that n would never last our weather here. And, you know, modern drums have, like, they're kind of plastic of some kind, um, have a nice sound still. So there was, like, an inexpensive one there, and I thought, I'm kind of curious about that. Um, it's, again, played more with your fingers and a little bit of with your whole palm of your hand. But um, So I got one that maybe didn't feel like the final drum, but enough to play with it. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, maybe just to tell the story of the drum thing once I started playing it a little bit more and then I started looking online and there's like a place that's out of Egypt I think um that actually makes proper like inlaid with um the shells and stuff like that and like beautiful yeah. designs and like that the professional drummers would get and so that money that the three women had given me went to this beautiful uh, it was it's yellow and with kind of opalescent um, I forget what the mother of pearl kind of yeah. shells. So you ended up ordering from this website your drum. Yeah. And so they build it from scratch type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, so I had that drum and then um, started taking some lessons because it's it's not like it's you can just hit like the djembe and like in a drum circle, but it's not the same, and it has like quite a different sound. Like the djembe is like a animal skin and it's like deep in the middle and 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 higher pitched on the edge and like it's like it's just earthy feel to it where this um maybe has a little more heady feel because you have to like the guys that are really good at it can really go for it and you're they're often playing with 
like belly dancers mm -hmm. dancing to their music mm -hmm. or like something co a complicated piece so I thought why well, like maybe someone to show me the technique so here's what I'm hearing a little bit how you know something can be kind of fun but then all of a sudden uh, it calls to somebody and I'm hearing that that all of a sudden you didn't want it you know the drumming circles are great or just doing it on your own but I think you were getting hooked is what I'm hearing you say yes <laughs> yes and then the education <laughs> begins right yeah and I suppose like with the African djembe there's obviously there's technique in that and there's like kind of a different kind of protocol with that like for example it's typically men who drum it I actually most of the drums are well are typically men but modern times have changed that yes um and even within I don't know a ton about West African drumming groups but there's like not in a negative way but there's like a also a competition in a way like to mm -hmm. be head drummer you like compete with the others like drumming drummer mm -hmm. to drummer mm -hmm. just to see who could be the fastest and the cleanest and the um you know mm -hmm. keep up with what they need to do um or there's the people that use them for drum circles um with the middle eastern drumming uh i don't think they have that kind of setup because there tends to be just one or two drummers with other musicians musicians playing along a with trio them. i've seen often a trio yeah and one, yes yeah so i took some lessons and um one neat thing in the class there was like a young girl that wanted to learn but her dad came along with just the support you could tell and I kind of assume that most people have rhythm like maybe they haven't tried before that but it needs to come out but surprisingly no I don't think that's true necessarily it takes some a, little, a lot longer like the father um, he was a good sport but he really had trouble um, kind of getting it in into the rhythm of it yeah and so what the teacher ended up doing was actually having him like hit his body with the rhythm and also speaking the rhythm and that somehow got it out of him a little bit more isn't that interesting so what i'm hearing as other types of uh, sound modalities um, it can unblock something in us because I don't know, but you know, maybe somebody's too much in their head, too much with an external beat, and they don't know their own rhythm, their own speech, their own. Yeah. Um, and so, how clever of the teacher to get him to find the rhythm of his own body? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, mm -hmm. they are supposed to find the way that yeah helps them move past that block, like yeah. you say. Because I think I noticed with dancing or drumming or anything like if you get in your head like somehow yes. your body doesn't cooperate all yes. the time yes um so if you well can i think ways. our head gets into the ego part of us and am i doing it right am i doing it wrong am i holding my mouth right am i holding my body right what if i'm good what if i'm bad yeah. and so i think again um with most sound modalities it can get you past that did you find as you were taking these classes that you were feeling the ripple effect of it just in your life? Like as you were drumming, maybe, I don't know, were you noticing something happening internally that finds its way externally? I suppose what I noticed is just how much I enjoyed it. Like, mm. I just notice, I just always have a big smile on my face when I be drumming. Like yeah. it just like just felt like such a joy. Yeah. Like, and maybe, 
maybe because my work is pretty heady, even though it mm-hmm. is intuitive. Of course, it's like, heady. It's yeah, technical. Like I'm yeah. sitting behind a computer all yeah. the time. And I don't know, it just brings out something different where I don't really have to think. I just have to feel. Okay. Yeah. And so that's how cool is that, right? Yeah. And if we could bring that into, you know, create a blend between our thinking self and our feeling self so we'd never disconnect, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then that was your, was that your, that was the drum, the one you had made? Yeah. We're calling it the cam drum. (laughs) (laughs) The Sambandi Darbuka, yeah. (laughs) Very nice. Yeah. And then what was the next stage of... So... With that, like, I would still consider myself a beginner yeah. Middle Eastern drummer. Yeah. Um, but I just found it a lot of fun. And then mm-hmm. you, you know, make friends within the drumming community. And with that, there were, like, belly dancers would often want to learn how to drum because, you know, you're dancing to these rhythms and mm-hmm. so you want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the dancers would ask, well, like, would you, some of you want to play backup drum for us? And like, we've played just simple rhythms, but mm-hmm. enough where they could do their thing. And so that was kind of neat because I hadn't drummed for proper dancers before, mm-hmm. like where they're kind of, there's rhythms that they're listening to and they know how to do certain things. Mm-hmm. And I kind of found that a joy that someone, you know, can move based upon what I'm <laughs> creating, I guess. You know what? I'm going to say something at this point. Yeah. Years ago, I took a belly dancing class because somebody said, you know, it was so healthy and good and vibrant for you. Yeah. And um, and one time the instructor had a drummer come. Mm-hmm. And I never enjoyed something so much because what I found is I just stopped thinking about where my feet and my hands and my hips were. And for some reason, I just, it felt like, the only thing existed was the sound of this person's drum and my movement. Yeah. And it was so amazing, so in sync and so in tune, right? It's so, very different yeah. from a recording, isn't it? Very different from a recording. It's like yeah. you start to breathe together, the drummer yeah. and the dancer, right? Yeah. I got goosebumps mm-hmm. when you said that. <laughs> well, when you, when you were talking about it was different. When you yeah. took your drumming and even if they were simple rhythms, you were working with dancers that was my experience on the other end and I was a very unskilled dancer I would say I was more an intuitive I just want to move my body dancer as opposed to knowing all the feet yeah but it was magical it was just Mm. magical I really did feel that and so yeah yeah and like I definitely understand what the dance studios like it's not like they can have live drummers all the time it's it's a bit of a thing and there's not always people who have that expertise but yeah it, it it makes a difference. I imagine for the drummer and the dancer, but so I could imagine on the other end, you, you, creating a rhythm and somebody moving to it. Yeah, and you kind of have to pay attention because be there was a few of us, and mm-hmm. so we have to pay attention to each other. But then, like really, the dancers are paying attention to us, but we still kind of need to know what yes. they're doing. Yeah. So it, yes. it kind of just expands your awareness a little bit yes. more in the moment with yeah. your. You're doing your rhythm, but you're paying attention to many things. Are you familiar with something called entrainment in music? It's like... Oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's you know, like crystal bowls. You'll get one going, and then you'll get another one going, and they begin to sync up. Yeah. So, all right. And so then that was your next step. So, yeah, that was the next step. And then there was one, like, a, one of the belly dance studios put on like a performance so they could sell tickets to and like mm-hmm. all the different groups could 
do do numbers and and we were doing the backup drumming again and when I was watching them I thought maybe I should do dancing um like I have done dancing before like in university I did ballroom dancing and I kind of liked it and and I thought well this group of women and this might be kind of fun but then when I said that I had remembered years ago there was um it was attached to Kaleido Fest that they had one year they had um I forget what they call it, Rhythms Drum Fest, I think it was called. And uh, they had like a bunch of the different groups drumming. Um, but I had remembered that there was this like um, Hawaiian Polynesian dancing group. Oh. And for some reason that popped into my head when I had considered dancing. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about them. And so I looked them up and um, just like the teacher said, why don't you just come for a class and see if it feels right. And that was that was the right choice, was the Polynesian dancing. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, so it started with Middle Eastern and all of a sudden swung yeah, to you this. Had to find your, you had to find your niche. Yeah, Yeah, and I think I like the look of belly dancing, and, you know, I haven't really tried it too much. Yeah. But there's, I think the earthiness, like, it seems a bit more connected to nature, like Hawaiian and Tahitian and Maori types of dancing and you know, you're wearing flowers and leaves and, and grass skirts how, how and good stuff is like that. that. Yeah. In nature, moving. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and there's yeah. it's a bit more fluid and, um, yeah, I kind of like that. So I think at that point I had thought, because there's also, with paying background drumming to the dancers, you could also kind of be in the background a bit. Like, you're not the focus, it's the dancers. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. I can Mm -hmm. be in that role. But then part of me said, no, maybe challenge yourself so that you're in the front now to see what that feels like. Mm -hmm. And so there was drummers um, with the Polynesian dancing, but and I was really tempted to do that too. But just for the first few years, I just did the dancing just so I could learn that. And also just you know, come out of my shell more in a different way, like, of it, you know, work on my performing skills and, like, tap into the, the different um, islands. They have all of a different feel to them as well and just mm-hmm. learn about the dancing and did a little bit of chanting and, and that kind of thing. So, again, um, learning, you know, any type of dance. I, I mean, I've talked to people who are um, salsa dancers and... And so you're, uh, so I can't help but think that you then learning the Polynesian dancing, that must open up things. Like everything opens up things in our body mind, right? Yeah. And then you begin to see the ripple effect in a person's life. Did you notice that? Yeah, big time actually. Because, you know, these things that you choose always align with where you're at in your life, like you yes. say. Um, I guess what's coming to mind is to kind of describe... Like I mentioned, there's different islands that we drum or dance with the Polynesian dancing. And each island I found, I could tap into a different part of me that needed to come out. So for example, Hmm. Hawaiian hula, this is how my teacher describes it. Like even look at their body shapes. They're Mm -hmm. just a little bit plumper They're curvier. Curvier people. and the way the dances are, it's a very giving dance. Mm-hmm. So you're sort of like kind of almost picturing like giving your love to the audience. And like that's how you look um, at the audience sort of with love in your eyes. And like, you know, the expression goes towards the audience. Oh, of course. And, and this would 
bring up either comfort like that somebody's comfortable with that or uncomfortable I would think if someone's doing that dancing yeah and it's it's more the gen- the movements are gentle like they're you're working your body a lot like it yeah they're there's a lot more that you're doing like and there is a lot of structure to it even yeah. though it looks like they're just you know floating their yeah. hands around and yeah, stuff but that. they're not <laughs> yeah so you're you know the technique but then you're also expressing that and then I notice maybe the other islands do this to an extent but the Hawaiians are always telling a story mm-hmm. and I think what I also like is there's like a big spiritual aspect to it so I'm learning the cultural aspects of it and about Hawaiian culture but you know like the story or like the dance is a story so the very first dance that I learned was about the last queen of Hawaii Queen Lili Ukulani mm-hmm. and she that was when like the the states and there was like a lot of landowners owners that they're all competing kind of for who's going to take over this and maybe not, mm-hmm. you know, checking in with the Hawaiians. So the Hawaiians always had a monarchy. So she was the last one queen because they put her in jail. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a luxury kind of jail, but it <laughs> still. Was, she was imprisoned. Yeah. yeah. And then um, while they were kind of deciding like what they would take kind of thing. And she, like she... The essence that I kind of got from the dance, like we had to spend a lot of time learning about her just so that we're dancing it properly and respecting her life because this is like a dance and a song about her. Hmm. And the the impression I had was very strong woman, but she told them, like the Hawaiian people, not to fight this, let's just go with it kind of thing, in different words than that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I think that was wise because there could have been a lot of bloodshed around that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's a woman's way of leading. Like you would think that you'd resist, you know, someone mm-hmm. taking over your land and changing mm-hmm. it in a lot of ways. But maybe she, some level she knows that it was the next step. Yeah, a like, necessary step. I don't know. Yeah, like maybe, yeah. maybe there's something. Like maybe it will come around where, you know, they'll meet meet themselves again in that way but there's going to be a few obstacles mm-hmm. I suppose so I just felt like you almost could feel like her strength and even like in the dance they kind of describe her as like her physical stature was strong and like just really like she kind of had a playfulness with about her um, at the same time and like children loved her and she just had this wisdom about her just really respected so Kim, is it fair to say that as you were learning these dances, that you were your ability to have empathy for um, these stories, uh, these like this Queen's story, um, grew? Yeah, and it it kind of feels like though, like it's almost like there's not a set dance necessarily for her, yes, but there's yeah. a chant and a song, yeah. but you know, there's certain steps that are common to all hulas, but it feels, it almost felt like you're stepping into, like, the steps that those people yes. danced before. Yes. And maybe that feeling thing, like, you just feel it yes. um, coming out of you. Like, and it, it, if you're moving the way other people move, like, it's a different culture. Like, my background is Canadian, and mm-hmm. my heritage is Ukrainian, so that is a different way of moving than Hawaiian Mm -hmm. people move. So, like, if you almost... It's like a different way of stepping in someone else's shoes. So you're saying something that I think is so 
important and and what we often lack in the world you know when we talk about being holistic in our approach to life we're not talking about a particular field we're talking about being holistic and seeing us all as one unit with different um, expressions of that but when you walk in somebody's shoes or in your case dance in somebody's shoes or drum in somebody's shoes that's I'm thinking it needs it opens you up it doesn't have to be your perspective right but it opens you up to somebody else's perspective right yeah and 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 I can't help but feel that by you doing that that has got that has that came out in your life too right yeah because you you, yeah I started to just kind of see it from a different perspective so Mm -hmm. all of the Polynesian dances but we'll talk about Hawaiians. Mm-hmm. Like Hawaiian da- dance was originally danced by men, but it was part of their warrior training. Because mm. if you can picture, like, if everyone's in sync and they know all those subtleties mm-hmm. and they're aware of each other, because Hawaiian hula is a group dance, mm-hmm. um, then they might be ready for the battlefield. Well, and they have to as. work as a team, and yes. yeah, yeah, or and even they, like Maori, because Maori is definitely much more warrior culture. Both the men and women tap into that. Yeah, um, a lot of like the poi that they use, like the little sack on the string that they yeah. swing around. I guess yeah. you could describe it. Um, that's like, what do they call it? The dexterity, yes. like you're using tools and like. Um, so that you're good with your hands and that mm-hmm. you can use weapons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just even the way that they move, they're not, they don't have the flair like Hawaiian dance does, but there is sort of like, it feels like you're kind of pacing back and forth, ready. Finding your rhythm and your balance. Yeah, or something. ready as a warrior yeah. would be ready. Yeah. Um, a warrior kind of has that fluidity. Well, people forget things like Tai Chi and that were originally a martial art right yeah 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 Yeah. and so I think that was one of the things that was wanting to come out of me was sort of that warrior way Mm -hmm. because I think other people could see it in me and I think I could feel it in me but I wasn't always expressing it Mm -hmm. and I think what it felt like was when I would express it outwardly I couldn't hold that energy like there was a part of me that I always wanted to recoil or like be nice girl yes. in a way yeah and fine but this kind of had me practicing like holding that energy without like all the little parts of me that wanted to collapse inside to defend it to justify to say but yeah. I'm not yeah. yeah yeah and even like own my body stature like I'm five yeah. foot ten I have yeah. like a warrior woman's body type like nice I'm strong and yeah you know like yeah. I can be intimidating, even though my personality is very gentle. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just, it helped me own those parts of me more than I ever have before. Okay, so, so what an important <laughs> discovery. What an important discovery. I, I like, by the way, my mind, in the back of my mind, I'm also hearing how some of this unfolded from a dream. And you listen to a dream. And like you said, there are dreams that, you know, tend to not be as important. But this was one of the, hello, here's a dream. And I've got something to tell you. But how you paid attention. And then you began to go on this journey of drumming. And and then the journey led you to dancing. And and then you seeing how that allowed you to um, own your energy. That you can be a very strong warrior woman 
but it can be a peaceful warrior. You're not going to go punch someone in the face just because you found your strength. Yes, I think what I'm seeing is like a lot of the more traditional warrior training mm-hmm. is like incorpor- incorporates art and dance and like all those yeah, kinds of things. Yeah, the ones who used to pa- practice martial arts and poetry. Yes. Yes. Yeah, because I think maybe it gives you purpose mm-hmm. in a way. And I suppose there's like a discipline that comes with it. Like, I don't think like a reckless type of warrior is very effective. Um, whereas someone who has mindfulness behind it i was just really saying i'm hearing mindfulness yeah right yeah the body the mind the emotions are connected in the present moment and isn't that what we're always looking for so we don't have to be high alert worried right we're not overreactive we're not underreactive. we're just like showing up for whatever situation might arise right yeah and it's i'm thinking of like um in hawaii there's every year they have uh, hula competitions mm-hmm. and when the men come on and they definitely can embody the warrior spirit even more because they sure. dance a little differently yeah but everyone in the audience is in awe like the women are beautiful to watch and like you'll be in awe in a different way but yeah it change you can feel it in your body like when it's a different are, energy yeah it's a, it is when right. they when you embody that like there's just sort of respect and and an awe that you feel when you know that someone has that within them yes because that's someone who spent a lot of time like facing their shadow sides and like yeah. facing death yes. and like knowing like all those dark sides i guess of yes. life that they have a skill set that can maneuver those. Like mm-hmm. I think there's a real respect to that. That I suppose maybe more of the traditional um, cultures maybe embrace more than we necessarily do in modern day. Well, I think we get confused um, sometimes that the equality of sexes, you know, um, doesn't mean we ever have to give a, like there is a difference is the bottom line yeah. we can be equal but we also need to respect there's a difference between men and women that yeah. has nothing to do with equality right no. and yeah. that um, and or roles that we have to play or jobs that we have to do so I think yeah. that's what I'm hearing you say that it was different when the men came on and did the hula of course they're men and it was different yeah. when the women and both were beautiful and both but they brought it uh, there was a different energy is that what I'm hearing you say there was just yeah. a different energy as there should be yeah 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 and even um I did a bit, I started to do a bit of Maori chanting. I need to do more, but that even brought it out more as like to speak loudly. I, I, I found out I was good at chanting in that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even speaking a different language and having to interpret the words, like there's, with all of those islands, there's like a literal meaning and a poetic meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of fun to, to use your voice to kind of command a room in that way. Mm-hmm. Um you're singing and also telling a story or welcoming people or whatever it is. And so. it sounds like showing up 100%. You're there. Yeah. Your mind's not on what's happening after that performance. It's not, right? This is just it. You're fully present to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I can hear through all of this, um, you know, 
I'm going to say the spiritual quality to it, but I think in, in our world we tend to separate that, and I don't think we should, because I think spirituality is something, it, it's a place that we find, uh, like an expanded version of ourselves, whether we're washing the kitchen floor or involved in meditation or whatever. But I'm, I'm hearing that, um, I think I'm hearing this, I'm asking for clarity, mm-hmm. that it opened up, beyond just personality things within you or energy that might have been blocked, that it opened up a, a doorway to your more expanded self. Is that fair to say? Yes. I think um, maybe I'll say this. You know how nowadays some of the young people kind of get caught up in some of the activist type things and mm-hmm. they might say cultural appropriation and mm-hmm. you shouldn't be using that. And I think they have quite an anxiety about exploring other cultures mm-hmm. now which I find very strange because you can always do it with respect. It's like I'm not totally. claiming to yeah. be Polynesian in no. any way, but look at all the things that I learned about myself or I learned about their culture, and I like, I only have love and respect for them because I took the time to learn how they move, a little bit of their history, who they are as people. So I wouldn't... I, I don't understand that anxiety that some people have nowadays like out of respect they want to pull back when well I think I think we are afraid we're going to lose something within our culture if other people are are um, exploring it and really I think it's just we're enhancing each other right we're saying oh you know we're learning to walk in each other's shoes and coming to understand and that the divisions I think disappear then is that fair to say because I mean, eventually, when we erase all those lines and all those divisions, we find out we're saying the same thing, no matter what culture it is. It will have its own uniqueness, but we lose the separateness when we do that. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, and I know Hawaiians, like, they're not happy with everything that has unfolded, but in terms of hula and stuff like that, like, they almost use that as just part of the story. Mm -hmm. This is part of the storytelling, like, they have, like, there's a type of hula called hula awana that is more modern hula like that you know mm-hmm. when blue hawaii with elvis and stuff like those times like there's yeah. this type of hula that formed that's a little bit different that than the, came out of that the traditional because something style. changed yeah right? so yeah. i think i like that acceptance of it like sometimes you can't control those pieces but you know that's part of the story of the people so and things change yeah every culture has has experienced a change right and then where do we take it Mm -hmm. yeah and so I'm, i'm going to circle back sure um because i think this is uh well actually before i do anything more you wanted to share about your drumming now it wasn't just drumming you started as a drummer then you became a drummer and a chanter and a dancer right yeah Mm -hmm. after dancing the Polynesian dancing for a few years then I decided no I got to do the drumming too Mm -hmm. and so the drumming I mostly do is Tahitian drumming Tahitian maybe Cook Island drumming Mm -hmm. Um, and the drum is like a log that's Mm kind of has a slit that's hollowed out in the middle and you play with these, they look like a long cone-shaped sticks. There's two of them. And the drum is a toere, T-O-E-R-E. Um, and Tahitian drumming is a lot faster. Um, they're not necessarily telling a story like Hawaiians are. Sometimes they are. Um, and like I was saying, Hawaiian dancing 
and drumming is like giving energy where Tahitians, you know, they're French colonized, so mm-hmm. they have a French aspect to them. And it's sort of like uh, look at me mm-hmm. energy. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of different too. But the drumming, I really love it because it's, it's fast and you really get into it. And I don't know, kind of, I guess, jungle music in a way. Mm-hmm. It is, mm-hmm. that's sort of what it sounds like. And it's against the logs. And um, I learned that... Um, there's four of us that drum in my group and I learned from the two more experienced drummers because there isn't a teacher here Mm -hmm. Um, the closest there's a fellow Akumu um, that lives in Langley BC but he's not very close so he's taught them a few things but I haven't learned from him and then recently we found um, there's a Polynesian drumming ensemble in uh, Lethbridge at the university so Hmm. we just a few weeks ago um, learned from them a few more techniques so yeah so and so that so that's where you are with that at this point you're you're um getting involved in the drumming again yes yeah I think it's neat when you haven't really had a teacher to learn from like um definitely um Colleen and Mark the two more experienced drummers they showed us a lot and like there's rhythms and they have a name and and they mean something and so we kind of know that but what we learned when we were in Lethbridge like it didn't always sound like so rich like traditional Tahitian drumming sounds like but to be actually shown like this is how you layer the drums Hmm. drumming so like there's kind of three different voices and like you're still kind of playing the same thing but it's just a little bit different and it just changed the sound completely so I could kind of see, like, there's a wall that you hit when trying to figure it out on your own. And, like, this information is passed down, like, word of mouth and word of generation showing, I guess. Generation, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so there's something kind of special about someone showing you something that you've been missing and it just a whole bunch of things just clicked into place. Very nice. So, so. You're, it's taking you to the next level of this and who knows where it goes from here. Exactly. Uh, but... Here's what I'm hearing that I hear from most people who are involved in any type of sound, chanting, singing, drumming, you know, guitar playing. Um, It just allows a person to unfold. And you with the cultural um, journeying with this, I love how you spoke about, uh, you know, being in somebody else's shoes, right? It's just opened you up to all kinds of things within you and within other people, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, uh, I feel changed because of it. I feel more me because of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the simple. That that is the simple yeah. thing. And and many times, what I heard you saying, you know, we often talk about mindfulness, mm-hmm. and people can put mindfulness in a box just like they can put holistic thinking in a box, but you know you're just very present in when you're yeah. doing something. And there's so many ways to feel our expanded self right it's not just you know I'm a, I'm a meditator but it doesn't always have to be just meditating I'm hearing you talk about how the music and the drumming and the chanting yeah. um, put you you started to use the term trance mm-hmm. right but trance really is that that um, that bridge between the conscious the unconscious mind and then higher mind right yeah mm-hmm. well maybe like to circle it back to that dream with the the, yes. s- un- the scroll that I'm full with all this wisdom in it 
I think as I learn more, like you kind of understand why they might have created that kind of drum or drum that way or like the purpose behind it and it kind of gives it a whole other meaning like it's you kind of tap into them throughout time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um maybe also like i suppose maybe this is kind of flaky but you know all all cultures around the world have a drum of some kind yes and so it's something that's just intuitive to humans, and it well, it's a heartbeat, I suppose. It's the heartbeat. Yeah, I don't hear that as flaky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and when you're talking about time, it's almost like a hologram as opposed to past and present and yeah. future. It's yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know that it happens, but like with Hawaiian hula, it was banned for a time and then it came back. But I almost wonder if you could like get that information still by just doing it and meditating upon yes, it and somehow tapping it comes into out. it and and something just coming out organically right yeah yes yeah so let's as so we're we're going to circle this back to um how this has enhanced your business because it would have had to but before yeah. then so the reason I wanted to interview somebody who is a student of drumming as opposed to a teacher of drumming is there's a lot of people out there. You know, I've heard of people say, oh, I'd like to try singing or I'd like to try drumming or I'd like to. So what would be your recommendation? Somebody's listening to this and they're going, okay, cool journey. And who knew that it, you know, who knows how it will unfold for them, but how it's unfolded for you. Um, So what would you recommend? Somebody's looking to um, drum what would you what's what's step one for them I suppose you know if you heard something and you like the sound of it or if it clicks something in you that you like you want to know a bit more maybe look up what kind of drum it is or um, and then maybe just follow the journey like you could see who's doing that style of drumming in the city or wherever you live um, and just kind of follow the little string unraveling, you know, the this picture for you. Um, most places will probably have at least drum circles, so you could even just try without having to know technique or any of the background. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many people live in Edmonton, but there's definitely people who put those on all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be a way to dip your toe into the water. Um, but then drum circle. I like what you said about um, pay attention to the type of music or drumming that you like because yeah. that could be your first clue, right? Yeah, I think that's one of the beauties of the internet. It could be full of yes. <laughs> crazy things, but there is like the information's at your your fingertips there, like just and many online courses too, right now. Yeah. So for people, you know, you could be studying with somebody in the opposite part of the world. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Like, and I think that's, you don't have to take a plane ride to go there and spend thousands of dollars. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And YouTube's a good resource for that kind of thing, I suppose. Yay, YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So great. So let's bring it back. So mm-hmm. here you are. So uh, it, this has to have impacted the way you are in business now. So I don't know if we said at the beginning that you are a, uh, um, a web a website designer but you're also you're a business for self you're not working for anybody no yeah. I'm not yeah I contractor I guess yes um, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and so then yeah. 
go by the job or the project, usually the way I'm working. And so I always think there's a ripple effect from something we do. So for example, you know, whether it be we're meditating, we're doing this, we're singing, we're whatever, it ripples into our life. And so have you noticed the ripple effect in how you are in business now? Hmm. I'd have to think about it, but I suppose, like we kind of mentioned in part of our conversation, it, it does get me out of my head. Yeah. I always feel so much better after, and even how you had commented when we were working on some of your stuff, like yeah. there's a different energy, like a comeback refreshed, I think. Yes, you were talking about having um, gone on, on that. Actually, it was a class you went to, and I and I remember thinking, oh, how cool, of course, she's gonna, she's feeling refreshed and renewed, right? Yeah, Yeah. I suppose it kind of helps me recenter in mm-hmm. a way, like, and maybe it is kind of a physical action, because I am using my body to create the sounds mm-hmm. um, that can kind of, you know, bring me back when my head in the computer can take me away. <laughs> <laughs> when head, body, and emotions are no longer in the same place. Yes. Very nice. Kim, I want to thank you for sharing this information. As I said, I wanted to have somebody who is a student of drumming as opposed to a teacher of drumming to, um, you know, have a conversation. So people who are just thinking maybe that could be fun can relate a little bit more. And and you shared so beautifully how it's helped you unfold in different ways. Yeah, well, I encourage anyone to try it because it's a, a lot of fun. And um, whether you take the same kind of journey that I did or not, maybe it doesn't matter. But I think it will bring a lot of joy to many people. Mm-hmm. And start you. And yeah. who knows where to land. So um, how can people let that uh, blah, blah, my mouse and head didn't link up there. <laughs> so uh, people who are interested in your holistic and eco-friendly web design, um, let's give them the name of your website. Sure. It's just under my name. It's kimtanasichuk.com, but I'll spell it. Yeah, as I say, if you can spell Tanasichuk, <laughs> yeah. Um, so K-I-M-T-A-N-A-S-I-C-H-U-K.com. Okay. Yeah. And is there... Uh, a way on that website does it give an email address to uh there's a contact form okay so they can always ask me questions that way or check out my work there's a portfolio on there very nice i personally have worked with kim and she's a really highly talented creative person and you're right you are you're you're very good about um listening and pulling out what uh, a person wants to create Hmm. so so I want to thank you very much for coming and sharing your information. Uh, it's inspiring. Oh, well, thanks. I loved hearing your story. Thanks yeah. for asking about it. Well, <laughs> it's funny. Sometimes they'll tell me, someone will say, oh, I'm this, but I do this. And it just catches my attention. I think, well, that's interesting. So yeah. sometimes our passion is not just always our job, right? So. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in. If you want to contact me, you can go to my website, Catherine Potter at Shaw. No, that's my email, Catherine Potter at Shaw.ca. My website is CatherinePotter.ca. And for the new podcasts, um, you can go directly to You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind.ca and listen to them 
on the site or download them through the different um, mediums. So have a good week. Get out there and do a little bit of singing or dancing or drumming. And whether you're listening or being or taking the action, have fun with it. And who knows what it will unlock within you. Join me next week. My guest will be Peter Tanasichuk. No. I just said your last name. <laughs> Peter Malnichuk. Sorry about that. I'm still in the drumming state. Peter Malnichuk is going to talk about Chi Ne Tsang and how to unwind the belly. Have a good week.